Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Certified Religious Transition and Trauma Recovery Coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. Oh, y'all. Last week, we talked about narcissistic personality disorder as sort of a doorway into a whole host of topics that I'm really wanting to cover with you, that I'm learning about myself, and that I'm getting so much enlightenment from. And I can't wait to share those things with you. And I told you that this week we would cover codependency, which is usually the other half to a narcissistic relationship. So usually you have a narcissist and then you have a codependent. So the narcissist acts as the dominant or controlling aspect of the relationship and a codependent, they act as the giver or the person that is feeding the narcissistic personality disorder. Now, codependents don't just go with narcissists. They can go with borderline personality disorder. They can go with people who are addicted to substances or to habits. They can be the other half in a relationship with someone who's emotionally abusive or emotionally absent. A codependent can also be in a relationship with another codependent, where one codependent is giving all of themselves to one person, and in return, the other person is expected to give all of themselves to the other codependent. So depending on many circumstances, codependency can come up in lots of different circumstances, but... I'm actually going to throw a curveball at you guys today. We are not actually going to talk about what a codependent is or how a codependent forms. We will talk about that in a later episode, but this week has been an incredible week of conversations with you, the listeners. I had so many people say, I didn't realize that I think I have a narcissist in my life. I've been in a relationship where I feel like I'm giving and giving and giving all of the time. And I love that so many of you said, I don't know if this is a person that would be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder or if this is a person that just has a ton of narcissistic traits. But either way, I feel like they take and take and take and I give and give and give and my needs don't get met and I'm often frustrated and I feel like I'm not enough or I feel like I'm always wrong, or I feel like I'm the person that gets blamed for everything that goes wrong in the relationship. I've had people talk about being the scapegoat in their families. There have been so many amazing but very painful conversations about going from being the golden child to being the scapegoat or the black sheep. And just the trauma that that creates, the trauma of being shunned from a family or cut out because you no longer buy into the family system or you no longer people please in order to get your needs met. And so this is a huge topic. 
And over and over again, I heard people say, how do I deal with this? How do I begin to make a healthier space for myself when my father is a narcissist or my mother is or my significant other is or my adult child or my best friend or my coworker or the people that I relate with at church? So many good conversations. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate those. Anytime we converse, anytime you tell me what comes up for you in an episode, it influences where I take my research, it makes me think more, it makes me reflect on not only my own experiences, but includes a broader scope of what's going on with not only myself and my clients, but you as well. And every time you share, every time you start a conversation with me, it allows me to tailor this podcast specifically to the needs of you who are listening. So today we're going to take a little bit of a turn and we're going to talk about setting boundaries with a narcissist. Now, I've already done a podcast all about what boundaries are and how they serve us in healthy relationships, but I really wanted to do a podcast on setting boundaries with narcissists in particular because there's often no boundaries for the person in a relationship with a narcissist, and we can often end up feeling frustrated, confused, rejected, unsafe, And so I really want to address that today, and we're going to talk about some of the specific challenges that might come up for the narcissist when we set boundaries and some of the ways they might receive that and some of the things to be aware of and how we can handle those items. And we're going to talk about some of the specific pitfalls we might run into as people in relationships with narcissists, as codependents or recovering codependents and how we can work through those issues as well. So buckle up. There's a lot of information here, and I'm really excited to dig into this. So thank you so much for all of you who said this is what you wanted help with. You wanted to know how to create a healthier space for yourself. Now, before we get into this topic, I want you to know that you may have feelings come up as I'm reading more and researching more about narcissism and codependency, I'm having wounds uncovered that I didn't realize were there, or I'm having to confront wounds in a different context, and I'm doing my own growth work as well. I think I mentioned on social media that I've been feeling a little off, and I think that's what's going on is I'm confronting the next stage of growth, the next layer of healing, and I don't ever want to show up in a way that's inauthentic. I never want you to believe that I have everything figured out when I don't, and I never want to speak from a place that doesn't feel grounded. And so for the past several weeks, I haven't been speaking much on social media simply because I am in a place of uncertainty. I'm in a place of growth. I'm in a place where the old is dying away, but the new hasn't quite established itself. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit closer to where I want to be, but I'm not there yet. I'm not rooted. I am in what I call the cosmic soup, and that is beautiful. The lovely thing is, is I've done this enough times that I know that this is just part of the process. There's nothing wrong with this. This is just how it feels 
when we're burning off old shadows, when we're confronting them and healing them and acknowledging them and loving them and doing everything we can to support them and help them feel safe and building the new. This is just what it feels like. It feels a little shifty and ungrounded. It feels a little off. And so if while we're going through this material, you feel that way, or if you feel triggered, triggered can feel angry or resentful or frustrated. And you might feel that towards me because I'm the person speaking and I'm the person talking about these things. And that gets to be okay. This is a safe place for you to be frustrated and angry with me. That is okay. So allow yourself to feel that. There's nothing wrong with that. Allow yourself to explore it and get curious with it and make a safe space for it and allow it to speak and tell you what it's trying to tell you. You might feel those same feelings towards a family member or an organization that has these characteristics or these traits. You might feel grief because you've never experienced healthy boundaries. You've never had a solid sense of self. All of that is welcome here. The more we can open our arms and embrace these big, sometimes scary feelings, understand that they're here to help us and guide us and to speak with us about what's going on inside of us. And the more safety and curiosity we can create with those feelings, the more we're going to create safety, curiosity, and compassion with ourselves. Because those feelings represent parts of us, okay? Those feelings represent different pieces of our identity and different pieces of our past, different pieces of what we've experienced. We are not the feelings, but the feelings speak for different pieces of us. And as we'll listen to them and create safe spaces for them, we're actually creating compassionate and safe spaces for us to exist in with ourselves. It's mind-blowing. It might not make a ton of sense, and that's okay. But understand that the safer we become with feeling, the safer we become with ourselves. And the more we build that relationship of self-acceptance and eventually self-love. Before we get into boundaries, I want us to understand that many of us have spent our lives trying to reform, connect with, or even control the narcissist in our lives through either people-pleasing and perfecting and overachieving to try to gain favor or withdrawing to try to avoid abuse. Now, whenever we get into people-pleasing and perfecting and performing, Usually we have very loose or non-existent boundaries, especially with people-pleasing, and it can be a struggle to keep people out. Now, if we think about boundaries as sort of a bubble that's around us, boundaries are where I begin and end. It's what creates a sense of who I am as a person. It separates me from any other person on the planet. And it allows me to self-regulate. It allows me to decide what's healthy for me and what's not healthy for me. And it also allows me to decide what problems are mine to solve and what problems really aren't mine to solve. When we've been conditioned to people-please or to perfect or to perform in order to get validation from others, we often don't have those boundaries 
and people can just kind of come into our bubble whenever they want, and often they take whatever they want to take. And over time, it can begin to chip away at our sense of self-worth and our sense of self-trust because no one's there to protect us. We're not there. Now, the opposite side of the coin, whenever we get into withdrawing in order to avoid abuse, we often have very rigid and non-flexible boundaries, but we struggle with letting people in. Now, we're not going to talk about withdrawn attachment styles today, but just know that that can also be a piece of growing up with someone with emotionally or psychologically abusive tendencies or with addiction or with narcissism or borderline personality disorder. So if I'm talking about narcissism and you're like, I identify someone in my life or several someones in my life that fit that description, but you don't find yourself people-pleasing or perfecting or achieving in order to get their love, attention, acceptance, or validation, if you find that you have just completely cut ties emotionally and withdrawn, even from the time that you were a little kid, we are going to be talking about attachment styles later this year. So just know that that is coming. There is a wealth of information coming and it all ties together, which is why we kicked off this year with a bang talking about narcissism. So if you're a person with an anxious attachment, which is what typically creates codependency, It's that people-pleasing, perfecting, and achieving in order to try to get our caregivers or our partners in life to love us and accept us and validate us. And we often give and put their needs ahead of ours and pretend like we don't have needs or feelings even in order to get those needs met, then this episode is for you. Now, the first thing I want to say, and this is going to be a hard pill to swallow, is we can't reform the narcissist. People with narcissistic personality disorder rarely change. And those that do change, because it is possible, it's just that the disorder is such that it keeps them from actually self-reflecting and it keeps them from identifying these traits within themselves Just the way they protect themselves keeps them from looking and asking, am I part of the problem? Is there something I'm doing that's driving people away? So narcissistic personality disorder is something that people can heal from. However, they often don't because they don't self-reflect. And if they do go seek help, if they do go find therapy in order to heal, it is because they are motivated to get more of what they want. So it's still going to be self-focused when they go to get help and when they go to heal. They are not going to change for you or for anyone else, no matter how many times you talk to them, no matter how many times you try to explain your side of the story. People with narcissistic personality disorder or a large quantity of narcissistic traits are self-protecting so hard they can't hear you. They can't hear your emotions. They can't focus on what it's like to be you. So we can't reform the narcissist. So for those of us who are codependent, who feel like it's our job to save them, to make them happy, to make them like us or love us, I want you to clip that string right now. Like just close your eyes and imagine yourself taking a pair of scissors 
and looking at the string that connects you to them, the string that says, I have to save you, the string that says, I have to please you, the string that says, I have to fix you, and I want you to clip it. Cut the string mentally in your mind. You cannot fix a narcissist. You cannot reform the narcissist. And if we're being honest, you can't change anyone, narcissistic or not. You can't fix or save or change anyone but yourself. The only power you have is in your own life. So clip that tie. Remind yourself that is not my responsibility. I can't change the narcissist. I can't change anyone but myself. So second, we can't make anyone connect with us. We can't make a narcissist connect with us no matter how perfect, how well-behaved, or how useful we are. As long as their protective devices make them unable to empathize with those around them, there can be no safe spaces in which to connect. It's not that you're not trying hard enough. It's not that you're not perfect enough. It's not that you're not good enough. They're incapable of connecting with you. And it has nothing to do with you. So nothing you do is going to make them finally connect. This is especially hard when this is our parent or our partner. No matter what has happened in our life, there is a longing inside of us to have a mom who loves us, a dad who loves us, and a life partner who loves us. And when those relationships are with someone who has many narcissistic traits or narcissistic personality disorder, we can feel like we're just not doing it right. And that's not the case. They're just not capable with their protective mechanisms to connect with you in safe spaces. Because the only way they feel safe is when they're in control. They only feel safe whenever they're superior. They only feel safe when they've got that mask on. And going back to a podcast we had last year with my husband, Kevin, we cannot create intimacy when we have our masks on. We can't get close. He said it's like trying to cuddle with someone with armor on. You can't get close. You can't get that skin-to-skin contact. You can't get that connection. So I want you to close your eyes again and imagine yourself clipping that string, that it's your responsibility to connect or that somehow you could be perfect enough or whatever enough to make that connection happen. That's not your job. That's not going to happen, at least under the present circumstances. And third, we can't control their behavior or anyone else's behavior. We kind of talked about this with the first one. We can only protect and empower ourselves with boundaries for our safety, our sanity, and our self-respect. The only person we can change is us. And we have full power to keep ourselves safe, to keep ourselves sane, and to develop a sense of self-respect or self-validation, self-acceptance, and self-trust. All those goodies we're trying to get our partner to give us or our parent to give us, 
we are capable of giving ourselves. And when we learn to give those things to ourselves, then we're not reliant on others. Their behavior gets to be their behavior, and we take care of us. We get to clip all those strings and detach ourselves from the abuse so that we can live happy, healthy, sane lives. All right. Now that we've covered that, I want us to go ahead and we're going to dig into how to set boundaries with a narcissist. This is going to be a little bit different than setting boundaries with someone who has a healthy attachment, somebody who is empathic and compassionate and kind and connects like we would normally expect a person to connect. This is going to be a little different and there may be things in here that will feel very hard or even rude or mean, but just remind yourself whenever those triggers come up, acknowledge them, write them down if you want so that you can revisit them later. Those triggers are telling you about your personal beliefs and you may have picked up some of those beliefs because you were in a dysfunctional household. Whether it was your household as a child or your household in a relationship, But really pay attention to those triggers because they're pointing you in the direction of subconscious beliefs that you're holding. And when we can become aware of those things, it allows us to begin to have the power to change those underlying beliefs. So your triggers are welcome as we go through this list. And just notice when you hear me say something and you think to yourself, oh, that's rude. I couldn't do that. Or that's too hard. Or I'm not that person. Allow that to be, write it down, and then get curious with it later and ask yourself, why is it rude? Why is it not me? Why can't I see myself doing this? As we question those things, it's going to bring up those limiting beliefs and it's going to give us more power in our lives to make decisions that are fulfilling for us and our lives and give us the maximum amount of sanity, safety, and happiness. All right, first one. You ready for this? Stop explaining, justifying, and defending yourself. The narcissist doesn't care about your feelings, your thoughts, your reasons, or your excuses. They only care about the information that serves them. They aren't going to like your boundaries because it diminishes their control in your life and thus their ability to get supply from you. And remember, supply is a sense of validation, a sense of control, a sense of status. They are looking for the supply of adoration, validation, and status. And your boundaries fly in the face of that, okay? So they're gonna be listening for justifying, excuses, and defending so that they can turn it on you in scrutiny, manipulation, or intimidation to cause you to doubt yourself and to loosen your boundaries again so they can go back to being in control. So no explanations, no justifying, no defending yourself. One of the things someone told me that I loved when I first left High Demand Religion is someone said, you can say no thank you, and that's a complete sentence. You don't have to explain. You don't have to justify You don't have to give your reasons or defend yourself. You can just say, no, thank you. So if missionaries wanted to come into my house and share a message, I could say, no, thank you. If someone asked me if I wanted to come to church, I could say, no, thank you. 
if someone asked if they could come over and visit teach me or check up on me, I could say, no, thank you. Visiting teaching, by the way, is this sort of monitoring system where members are assigned to their members and they go and check up on them once a month. It's called something different now. I think it's called ministering or something like that. But it's basically an assigned friend that comes to your house and checks up on you. Um, We definitely had people that wanted to check up on us after we left, and it was just nice to be able to say, No, thank you. Do you want to spend your Saturday morning cleaning the church? No, thanks. You can do that as well with the individual narcissist in your life. You can just say, no, thank you. No explanation, no justification, no explaining needed. You can set a boundary about what's okay with you and what's not okay with you with no explanation or backstory needed. Now, we're dealing with a narcissist here. They're going to push back, right? Because your boundaries don't feel good. It makes them feel like they're losing control and losing access to the supply that you give them. So if they criticize you, you can use a very straightforward phrase like, thanks for your input, or I'll consider that. Remember, emotion feeds them, so getting angry or frustrated or responding. So very matter-of-factly, thank you for your input, or I'll consider that. And then just move forward. You don't have to justify yourself or defend yourself. Or let's say they question your actions. You can say, you know, I'm confident in my choice or something similar. I've thought this over. I really like my choice. No explanation, no vulnerable backstory that can be used against you. Just, I've thought about this long and hard and I'm really confident with my decision. Or if they demand an explanation. You can just say something like, that's personal, or I don't want to talk about that right now. It's okay for you to just say, this is how it's going to be. It's okay for you to give very short, concise, and confident answers that don't give much up. This is something I want you to know is vulnerability is a wonderful thing for healthy relationships. But Brene Brown says vulnerability is something that you share with people who have earned the right to hear your story. If someone often uses things against you, if they often use the details of your life to manipulate or control you, they have not earned the right for you to be vulnerable with them. It is okay for you to have your armor on to protect yourself because your job is to protect you. Your job is to keep you safe. Your job is to make the changes that will help you feel healthy. So if there are people that use your vulnerability against you, they don't get to hear your vulnerable stories. They don't get to hear about your struggle. They don't get to hear about your lack of confidence or the feelings of being an imposter. They don't get to hear that. People earn the right. They build the trust to hear your vulnerability. And remember, intimacy cannot be built when people are using things against you. It's nothing you're doing wrong. Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. Now, for many of us, we haven't just given the narcissist one time. They've had 20 years of times or longer to show us that they're trustworthy. Believe them. Believe their past actions. And when I say believe them, 
I mean, are they trustworthy most of the time? Because all of us make mistakes. But narcissists are so good at intermittent rewards, right? Being the person you want them to be intermittently mixed in with a bunch of criticism and manipulation and emotional withdrawal, right? So look at your relationship. The majority of the time, are they there for you? Do they hold your vulnerability as the precious thing that it is? this gift that you're giving them? If the answer is no, they haven't earned the right for you to be vulnerable with them. Keep that in mind. Stop explaining, justifying, or defending yourself. Just don't do it because it'll be used against you. The second ingredient to setting boundaries with a narcissist is leave when it doesn't feel healthy. You don't need anyone's permission to exit a destructive interaction. You, not others, get to determine what is healthy for you. The narcissist does not get to tell you what is healthy for you. You get to decide. The church doesn't get to decide what is healthy for you. You get to decide. If you were taught to believe in a narcissistic God, narcissistic God doesn't get to choose what is healthy for you. You get to decide. You are the only person that gets to decide what is healthy for you. Now, there's three different ways I love to get out of unhealthy conversations and to leave when it quits being a healthy interaction for me. One of them is to have an out phrase. You can say something like, oh my gosh, look at the time. I'm sorry, I'm late. I've got to go. And leave. Remember, no explaining, justifying, or defending yourself. Just really concise. Oh my gosh, it's late. I gotta go. You can use that phrase anytime things are getting unhealthy. Or if you don't like that phrase, choose a phrase that feels better. Like, I've been away from home for a long time. I gotta go check on my kid. Or I have someplace else I've gotta be. I'll see you later. And literally just cut. Just be like, bye and go. The second way is if you're going to be having a conversation or you're going to the house of somebody who's a narcissist, you can decide how long you're willing to give them. So let's say it's the holidays. We just did the holidays, right? Some of us went home to narcissistic family members' houses. You get to decide how long you're willing to spend there or how long they're able to spend at your house if they're coming to see you. You can decide, I'm coming for two hours of dinner and then I'm leaving. Or you may decide you're coming over for 15 minutes to say hello, hug everyone, see everyone, and go before the dinner happens. That gets to be a choice as well. Not going also gets to be a choice. So just know, listen to yourself, what amount of time would feel comfortable for you. Set your timer for that amount of time, and when the timer goes off, just simply say, I have another place I need to be, And it was great to see you, hugs, kisses, or if it's not that kind of a relationship, thanks so much for your time, and off you go. And the third way that you can remove yourself from unhealthy places is to be direct. You can call out bullying when you see it. The narcissist knows when they're being a bully. They know when they're hurting you. So it's not like this is going to come as a surprise to them. They might act like it's a surprise, But they have a conscience. They just don't have empathy. So you can say things like, I'm going to excuse myself. I'd be more than happy to talk 
when you feel like you're ready for a constructive conversation and leave. Again, no explaining, no justifying, no defending yourself. Just, I'm going to go now. I would love to talk about this again at a later time when you feel like you can handle a constructive conversation. Pay attention to those triggers. I know some triggers have come up at this point. I know there are some things that you're like, I could never do that. Or how would I even go about that? How would they react? Can you imagine? That's crazy. Write all those things down. Make safe space for all those feelings and all those messages. Those are all parts of you that are giving you information. They're all welcome here. And if I've said something that has completely angered you, that is welcome here too. All right, the next ingredient for setting boundaries with a narcissist is we need to decide what we will tolerate and what we will not tolerate. In order to do this, so many of us don't know what we want or what we need, or if we do, we don't know how to communicate it. So if you don't know what you want or need, listen to your emotions. Emotions like anger, resentment, and frustration are telling you what's not okay with you. They're telling you when someone has crossed your boundary or when you've crossed your own boundary, okay? So if you're saying yes to everything, nobody's crossed your boundary. If someone comes to you and says, hey, will you make 12 dozen cookies by tomorrow? No one's crossed my boundary by asking me if that's something I'm willing to do. I cross my boundary when I say yes to something that I don't have the time, energy, space, or mental capacity for. I crossed my boundary. And I'll feel resentful, and I might blame the other person, but I'm the person that said yes. Asking someone if they have capacity to do something or if they're willing to do something is not crossing your boundary. Bulldozing through something that's different. But asking, that is not crossing your boundary. Unless you've specifically said, please don't ask me to make cookies ever again. If I had told somebody, please don't ask me to make cookies for scouts ever again. And then somebody came up and said, will you make 12 dozen cookies for scouts? Then at that point, we can talk about people crossing your boundary. But in general, when someone asks you to do something, it's typically not crossing your boundary. But if we say yes to that thing, and we don't have capacity for it, we're crossing our own boundary, okay? So listen to those emotions. Anger, resentment, frustration, those emotions are so good at telling us where we or other people have crossed our boundaries. And if we'll give space to them to talk, if we'll get curious with them, if we'll welcome them, they'll tell us exactly what happened, why it was a problem, and what we should do about it. All of that information is buried in that emotion. It's actually buried in your subconscious, and your subconscious sends you a chemical called an emotion. But when you will notice that emotion, you can trace it back to those subconscious thoughts that will tell you everything you need to know to create healthy spaces for yourself. Emotions like safety, happiness, contentment, or peace Those are telling you what feels good. That tells you what's okay with you. So if you notice, you know, when people are joking with me and we're having a good-natured laugh, I love that. That feels really good. But when someone is using half-truths in a sarcastic way in order to put me down, I don't like that. 
you've just figured out a boundary for yourself. I love good-natured humor where no one is a target and no one's passive-aggressively being put down. Love that. I don't like passive aggression disguised as humor or sarcasm. And you can set that boundary. I'm more than happy to joke with you in a good-natured way. But if you have something you need to discuss with me, please don't tear me down sarcastically or poke at things that are half-truths about me in a sarcastic way. That feels like bullying to me. Another question I like to ask myself when I'm trying to figure out what I will tolerate and what I won't tolerate is, what do I need to feel safe in this relationship? Now, this is a great place to use your negativity bias because you probably have a list of things because our brains focus on the negative. You probably have a list of things you don't like or that make you feel unsafe. Write those down and then try to figure out what would I need instead of these things to feel safe. So remember, we want to focus on what we want so that we can communicate that to other people. I want blah, blah, blah. I don't want blah, blah, blah. So that we can get super, super clear with people. It's kind of like when we're dealing with toddlers, right? If we just say, don't run into the street, what are our kids going to do? They're going to run into the street. But if we say, you can't run into the street, but you can run up and down the sidewalk, or you can run all over this grass, it gives them something constructive to do. They know what to do instead, instead of just focusing on what you don't want them to do. So creating boundaries, it's really helpful not just to know what you don't want or what's making you feel unsafe, but what you would want instead, because that helps your brain start engaging and building more of those things and being able to communicate those things to the people who are important to you in your life. All right, the fourth ingredient to setting boundaries with a narcissist is decide what the consequence will be. Part of setting boundaries is knowing what you are prepared to do if your boundaries are ignored. So often, we use boundaries as a way to manipulate and control others, but that is not what boundaries are about. Boundaries are about what we will do to keep ourselves safe. We communicate those to other people as an invitation to get close with us. We say, This is what I need in order to feel safe and to have an intimate relationship with people. And they get to decide, yes, that's something I want to do because I want to be close and intimate with you, or no, that's not something I want to do. Both gets to be okay for them. But you get to decide, okay, that person is willing to accept my boundaries and honor them, and so I will open up and allow them to be close with me And people who cannot respect our boundaries or purposely try to bulldoze them, that's not somebody I can be intimate with. And this is what I'm going to do to keep myself safe. Before we communicate those boundaries, know what the consequence will be and what you're prepared to do to keep yourself safe. Consequences work best if they're clear in your mind ahead of time. So if you are headed to your parents' house, for instance, and there is a chance that a boundary is going to be crossed. Let's say there's a specific boundary that often gets crossed. One that's coming to mind to me right now, just top of mind, is single people often go home and all their relatives ask them if they're dating or if they're going to get married anytime soon, or they'll make those passive-aggressive jokes about them being spinsters or things like that. 
You can ahead of time say, When I come home, I don't want anyone to ask me about my relationship status or whether I'm dating and I don't want anyone to make jokes about the fact that I'm single. There's a lot of things we can talk about, like my job or my doctoral dissertation or the trip I just took to France or my friends and how they're doing. I would be more than happy to discuss any of those things with you, but I'm not willing to discuss my relationship status. If people bring up my relationship status, I will promptly disengage from the conversation and leave the room. That was a very clear boundary. It told the person what was okay and what was not okay and what would happen if that boundary was crossed. Now, here's the important part. When a boundary is violated, and I say when because we're talking about a narcissist here. When you set a boundary so often, it's like a challenge and they will try to push or cross the boundary to see what they can get away with, to see if you're really serious, and to see if they can gain back control over this part of you. So when the boundary is crossed, you need to act on your chosen consequence immediately, decisively, and you got to do it every single time. It's like a toddler. If there's a consequence when they do something naughty one time, but not the next time, if it's really intermittent, they don't know what to expect. And so they're more likely to keep pushing that boundary. But if it's the same consequence every single time, eventually the behavior stops. Same here. If you will be decisive and follow through with your consequence every single time, you're going to build some serious credibility. So number five, we just talked about this a little bit, but once you know what you're okay with and what you're not okay with, and you're really clear about that, and you know the consequence attached to that boundary, then you want to communicate your boundaries clearly and concisely. And remember, no explaining, no justification, no excuses, just very clear and concise. When I'm communicating with a narcissist in my life, I like to be as matter-of-fact and non-emotional about this part as possible. I practice in front of my mirror until I'm comfortable saying it and I don't stumble over my words. I don't want to waffle at all. I want to be able to say, this is what I'm okay with. This is what I'm not okay with. If this boundary is crossed, this is what I'm going to do. That's it. So here's an example. You might say something like, I don't feel safe when you call me names. If you call me names, I will end the conversation until you're willing to treat me with respect. Now, what is the narcissist going to do? Likely, at some point, they're going to call you a name, right? Maybe shortly after telling them your boundary, they're going to call you a name. You're going to act matter-of-factly. So you communicate your boundary very matter-of-factly without any fluff then When the name calling continues, you act matter-of-factly because anytime you blow up in anger or get really flustered or you get frustrated or you get into blaming or you get into your cycle, that is supply for them. That tells them they're in control. You've just fed them. We're trying not to feed them anymore. We're cutting off the nutrition to this toxic relationship. So what you do is when they call you names again, you state something like this, very matter-of-factly. As I told you, when you call me names, I will leave our conversation. Goodbye. And then you hang up the phone or you literally pick up your purse or your jacket or whatever you brought with you and you leave the house. 
you go. You don't wait for a response from them. You don't wait for an acknowledgement that they heard you. You don't engage no matter what they do or say because you know they're going to do and say a lot, right? To try to engage you, to try to get that supply. No, no, no. We don't engage. We simply state, remember this was the boundary and this is what I said I'm going to do. Goodbye and we go. The more quickly and decisively we act, the better. And then number six, expect pushback and prepare for it. Narcissists like to be in control as a way to help themselves feel secure. You setting boundaries, particularly at the beginning of when you try to start setting boundaries, that's going to feel like a loss of control and a loss of stability for them. So they may cycle through their repertoire to regain control and have you start second-guessing yourself. They might argue, they might blame, they might minimize your feelings, they might act like the victim, they might say you're too sensitive, or they might become rageful, they might say or do really mean or hurtful things. And while these tactics might be unpleasant to endure, your boundaries are not up for discussion. Remember, you, not others, decide what is healthy for you, not up for discussion. Expect that there's going to be pushback. Have an exit plan for yourself. Have a safety plan for yourself. Know what the consequences are and carry through swiftly. All right, so I know a lot of that was triggering. I know a lot of that pushes against everything, every pattern that you've learned as a codependent. Most of your life, you've likely been tiptoeing around a narcissist, trying to please them, get them to like you or love you, get them to quit criticizing you, get them to just be nice to you, right? That hasn't worked because it's kept them in control of your life. It's time for you to take back control of your life. Now, if some of you are listening to this and you're thinking, I really want to do this, but I'm afraid that I won't be safe trying to set boundaries with a narcissist in my life or I'm afraid that I will be abandoned and I don't know how I'll take care of myself if I'm abandoned, whether that's a parent or a partner. Something that I want you to know is that your safety is paramount. So if you've been listening to this and thinking, I would love to do this, but I'm afraid that I'll be unsafe, safety comes first. So first have a plan in place to keep you safe. If that means you need to have a conversation with a narcissist in your life And you need to bring a support person with you to be present and be a witness when you're having a conversation. That's allowed. You get to do that. If it means you would feel safer having a conversation over the phone, you can do that. If it means you need to write a letter or an email, you can do that as well. Do what keeps you safe. Make sure that you are safe first. That's the most important thing. Sit down with yourself or a trusted other person and create a plan for your safety because I know that that can sometimes be a very real threat in our lives. If you're in, you know, a divorce situation or if you're in a situation where child custody might be coming into play, make sure you always have a witness, someone that can talk about what actually happened and what didn't actually happen. So, Be thinking about what you need to feel safe and make sure you have those parameters in place. Make sure you have a mediator if you need one or the distance that you need so that you're not in danger of being abused. So before you put any of these things into place, 
make sure you're safe. And if you've been listening to today's episode and you've been thinking, I don't even know where to begin to start to have the courage to have these kind of conversations or this feels so foreign to me, please stay tuned. We're going to be talking about codependency even deeper, helping us understand how we develop these patterns and why we develop these patterns and how they've protected us up to this point, and then how we can begin to dismantle them if they're no longer serving us. Because our codependent patterns, like all patterns in our life, were put in place when we were younger to protect us and to make sure that our needs were met and that we survived. And they did a good job. They got our needs met. We survived to adulthood. But if it's no longer serving you, you now as an adult get to reparent yourself and recreate new patterns in your life that will serve you better and give you more freedom and more safety and more ability to live a life that feels healthy for you. I look forward to having these conversations. And please, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, reach out if there's something that really struck you or triggered you or something that you want to discuss. I live for that. I love talking with you and having these kinds of discussions because it sparks new understanding, new questions. Everything on this podcast comes from the questions that I ask myself as I talk with you and as I experience my own deconstruction and my own healing. So if you have questions, ask them. Let's discuss. Let's spark more questions. Let's figure out where the gaps are. And together, we're going to come up with some really great ideas for podcasts that need to be broadcast later on. It's going to give me ideas for where to take the research and what maybe I don't understand well enough yet. We all learn faster together. I love collaborating with you. So please reach out and please start conversations. I'm over on Instagram at Emancipated Molly. I'm on Twitter at Emancipated Terry. You can have conversations with me on the Facebook page at Emancipate Yourself. So there's a Facebook page you can ask to join and it's called Emancipate Yourself. You can post questions there and start a discussion with the community. You can private message me there. There's so many different options. I look forward to hearing from you, learning with you, and I'm so grateful to be on this path with you. I'm learning so much and it's so exciting to me. Right now, I feel like all of this information that we are digesting together is something that I need. It's an understanding that maybe I didn't have before. I'm beginning to understand new levels of what happened to us in high demand religion, what happened in my family, what happened to me as a child. And the more understanding I have for where I came from, the more compassion I have for my present self and the more freedom and ability I have to expand into my favorite self in the future, the self that I want to become and to enjoy the things that I want to enjoy. I feel so grateful for the ways that you have helped me become aware of those things. And I look forward to continuing that journey with you over the upcoming weeks. Thank you again for tuning in, and I will see you again next Sunday.